episode 10 of The Wild Show with Equity Kings. Welcome to The Wild Show with Equity Kings. My name is Dumisha Ramodisa and I'm accompanied by my co-host Siabonga Chuma. Welcome to the show, guys. This is going to be an amazing show. This is the last episode of season one and we're going to get into some very, very deep stuff. And I hope you guys enjoy it. So just a quick market update. For the week, on Friday, we got the PPI numbers. This is the producer price index. These are the prices of US producers, or it could be any country, South Africa, the US, Eurozone, Japan, whatever country you want to call it, they use something called a PPI. So PPI numbers in the US came in at 8.3%, 8.3% increases, year over year increases. The month over month increases was 0.7%. So think about it, last week, or rather last month, August, we had PPI numbers year over year at 7.8. So basically 7.8% inflation for producers. And then this month, it jumped to 8.3%. So every single month, we've gotten better than expected numbers. Every single month of the year since what? Since February 2021, we've been getting, we've been getting these positive numbers. And these numbers don't seem like they're going to slow down anytime soon. We keep getting better than expected. So if you just annualize it, by December, we could have 10% inflation for producer prices. Imagine that. So much for transitory. Because we don't even know what transitory is. If inflation is transitory, whether it's... What is transitory? Is it one year? Is it a few months? I mean, there's no proper definition of transitory. I mean, these producer prices could just keep increasing because they're showing no signs of slowing down or stagnating at least. And then we might see a disinflationary environment. Who knows where it's going? This is huge inflation from producer price indexes. And then just a quick market update on the stocks. NASDAQ is down for the week, 1.5% down for the week. The Dow Jones remains unchanged. Gold went down after the PPI news, which is ironic because gold is supposed to be going up when you get positive PPI news because inflation should be good for gold unless the market is pricing in the Fed tightening policy and raising interest rates. Who knows what's happening? But also the most interesting part about this week was that Bitcoin crash. (laughs) (laughs) El Salvador. El Salvador, El Salvador. And Bitcoin is down 15% 15% on the week. And think about it. It, it was down 17% on the day when it crashed on Wednesday. If I'm not mistaken, say, was it Wednesday or Tuesday? Because I was holding sales, right? I was in shorts, right, on Bitcoin um, three weeks ago, right? I shorted Bitcoin around 50,000. That's where I entered my shorts on Bitcoin. And then it kept on going up and down. And then Bitcoin recently, on Monday, it touched 52,000. And then I was getting scared, man. I was getting scared. I'm like, shit. If it passes 54k, then it's probably gonna hit an all-time high. You see, so I was I was kind of scared there, but we were holding our shorts on the Equity Kings Premium Group. And then, imagine Thursday or Wednesday? Was it Wednesday? Yes, Wednesday. Boom! This thing just collapses after El Salvador. I think you see what I think happened, right? I think it was a buy the rumor, sell the fact because everyone was anticipating El Salvador buying more bitcoins. And then when the fact came out, so what happened was all these Bitcoin whales, right? The big Bitcoin players, the guys who promote Bitcoin like no one's business, basically the Bitcoin profits. You see, those guys went on and told everyone to buy, 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 buy. El Salvador's going to buy. So you guys should also join in and buy. So they pump up the price. And then 
once El Salvador actually buys those bitcoins and it's official, they sell. They sell into the news and then all these small traders, these small beginners are holding the bag with the 15% loss. Imagine how stupid that is. Imagine 15% loss. What do you take on the recent events with bitcoins here? Pump and dump. That's the new role of what the market is going on about. But, 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 but I'm a very big guy who favors Bitcoin because I really look deeply into the fundamentals of economics and I feel that Bitcoin still has a shit. Now, despite on the news that are happening now, as you said, buy the news and dump the what? And sell the fact. <laughs> Yes, that's the word. So <laughs> it's, it's very interesting to see a country like El Salvador, the government actually buying into Bitcoin. It's very interesting in the fact that a lot of people can can argue like you saying that um, it's not good that if ever, hypothetically speaking, let's say El Salvador, it's full on Bitcoin, of which they're on the route there. They've taken the first step. Let's say they're fully on there. Obviously, you'd say um, <clears throat> it's not good for the mere fact that a currency can drop by 10% like in a space of a day. That really calls for an economic slowdown, of which uh, a recession, of which you could say Bitcoin is in a bubble. Cool. So El Salvador bought Bitcoin and all of the dip happened. The dip happened. But I wouldn't say it's a really phenomenon. Dip, dip, I think the market has seen worse. It, it is. A serious dip we could say for what has been happening but don't you feel that is like the market propelling to go up like in terms of bitcoin i i actually see bitcoin hitting 100k 2025 that is my prediction so let's see where it goes and and here's my other factor also let's take it and look it into perspective let's say bitcoin does survive for the next 50 years right and the price eventually does go up and El Salvador is the first country to initiate it as its main currency and all that and to go through. Um, wouldn't El Salvador be far like in life and in terms of wealth? And also speaking, looking at it and why is Bitcoin such a fundamentally good thing? I think people don't understand Bitcoin. I think they they view it and, and look at Bitcoin from a, a, deri a derivative factor. Okay, I'll tell you later on what derivatives are. But, okay, looking at what's happening now, okay, let's look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin, nobody controls it, right? It's a blockchain. Anyone, anywhere in the world with a smartphone can access it. Yes, storing your Bitcoin has its downside and all that. And sending out transactions which cannot be regulated also has its downside. Yes, Bitcoin does have its downside, but let's look at its upside. Let's look into third world economies like El Salvador, for instance. It's a very profound example we're going to use for this experiment. Now, you need to fathom these facts, which I'm about to spit out, and I need people to listen carefully. Or we could also make examples with other African countries, but let's say a country doesn't have a sufficient economy going on, so there is no national banks or anything like that, okay? So mm -hmm. obviously the standards of living are bound to be poor. Now, when we have a system like, like Bitcoin, this can enhance tourism in those other countries. Let's say they have facility, facilities for for those for facilities facilities for the natural resources they have there, landscapes and all that. And let's say tourists decide that okay, 
we're going to go on a trip to Africa or whichever country and explore those natural sites which are there. Now we have a problem from the United States where you have yens and now you're going to this country. They don't they have no use for this currency because they are not recognized and they don't have a banking system of where they could take the yen and tomorrow go exchange it for their local currency. So now if we have things like Bitcoin, what could happen is it's tap and tap and pay. Simple. Send the send your address, let me pay for your Bitcoin and Bitcoin could be the main exchange for those economies. Now, obviously, we can see which market Bitcoin is going to. It's going into the market where the economies are low. And also, again, I feel like Bitcoin is in a good sense because, as we know, the government has price controls and you can't go beyond price control. And with price controls, gold sets things as inventories, of which obviously countries like El Salvador wouldn't have because inventories are things which you have to work and have goods and products which are readily stored to be sold in the future. So explaining what derivatives are and just going further on my point. So derivatives is actually a contract between two two parties. It's actually a market between a buyer and a seller. So a derivative, essentially everyone who is a forex trader, industry trader, stocks trader, you name it. We are, we are retail traders. So essentially, we are not trading the real products. We are buying and selling contracts of which are derivatives. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, the deal is based on an underlying asset such as gold or the stock and how it performs derivatives. So actually, if you want to buy the real thing, I think you'd actually have to buy gold and store it in a vault. Then you know you can only look at the price of gold to determine how much your gold is now worth having it in the physical other than that, you are a derivative trader. You're just buying a contract and speculating on the value. Yeah. But also think about it, Sia. Also think about um, like how the whole derivatives contract is like us as forex traders, for example, right? We use uh-huh. CFDs, right? And yeah. these are OTC exchanges, right? So over yeah, the counter. Yeah, so think about it. Yeah. Those like the market cap for derivatives is one quadrillion one quadrillion and i think i'm even understating it one quadrillion (laughs) derivatives in the whole system imagine there's so much inflation in derivatives so i'm not saying i'm against derivatives because obviously i'm using derivatives so it would be i would be a hypocrite to say i'm against it but also that's that's the problem the fact that we have too much derivatives in the system shows how weak the economy is because the economy is so financialized and people aren't producing any real goods which actually create wealth, true wealth. And now wealth is all a, a bunch of digits in people's opinions. Wealth, you don't determine wealth by how much money you have. You determine wealth by how much goods and services you have. And money is just a tool. It's just a tool for you to actually um, connect yourself to wealth, which is goods and yeah. services. Which brings me to my point about Bitcoin as to why Bitcoin <laughs> isn't money. Because, I mean, Sia's talking about, I mean, just now Sia's talking about, oh, El Salvador and it could make their country good and, oh, tourists and stuff like that because everyone will be using Bitcoin. And it's sort of like something like global um, exchange or something like that, um, medium of exchange that everyone can actually agree to, Bitcoin. So, oh, these things sound rosy, but in my opinion, and this is my opinion, I'm not saying I'm right, but Bitcoin 
doesn't even doesn't right now bitcoin doesn't even function as a currency let alone money because there's a difference between currency and money huge difference and that's something i want to address right now because currency is basically what we use today rands us dollars i mean us dollars used to be money when it was backed by gold now it's just currency more more importantly fiat currency so currency is is a medium of exchange right but money money has three characteristics medium of exchange units of account and store of value you you can't money cannot be money without it being a store of value and there's no way bitcoin is a store of value i mean it it's not even a medium of exchange to start with because no one even no one uses bitcoin to buy cars no one uses bitcoin to buy bread no one uses bitcoin to buy homes i mean that true that, true true, true. Yes, all that, that thought means all the right white the reason for that is because the government is tampering with the system due to the mere fact that the government likes to control prices i've got a whole philosophy on on what i read i, I read up yeah, on yes, price control yeah, think about it like this all that think about thought, it all that to back up my evidence we saw recently of what china did which was banning all these bitcoin miners of which they knew it would have a direct impact to the price of bitcoin and also another thing all these crazy laws that the government because the government is so cruel at once to be in touch please refer to our other episode episode i think episode 4 uh, the government mafia so with that being said dimisha Look at it. The government is standing in the way of Bitcoin because I, the I, government putting all these restrictions, and it's so I crazy. If you look at it, sorry, I'm gonna go off topic a little bit. I read this article recently, which says that um, in China they are banning the amount of of time that kids are allowed to have on gaming, of which you know that's <laughs> on the gaming stocks. how much the government wants to have its fingers in its pie so cool to me she's saying bitcoin is not this it's not that sweet can i just lay this out and then i'll 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 let you go on further because i know you're always going to fight with bitcoin but today (laughs) is redemption day This podcast episode is proudly sponsored by Libertex, arguably one of the biggest forex brokers of the 21st century. Libertex has a wide variety of financial instruments to trade with, from currency pairs, stocks, energies, and even a broader variety of commodities to trade. I personally use Libertex, and the one thing I love the most about this broker is their incredibly low spreads. Libertex has been operating since 1997 and has won over 30 prestigious awards worldwide. and is even a sponsor for Tottenham Hotspurs. So click the link in the description to sign up and enjoy the perks that come with trading with a world-class broker. The government has got this philosophy of price control of which price control is also another branch of of the government policies of quantitative easing, tax laws and all this other things to keep the society stagnant. So government has rules on pri- on price controls we know that the government always says that uh, the petrol price should be kept to so much price bread price certain goods and services right of which this is the government interfering in the free market because the government comes into the free market 
and they say price should be like this, of which in a natural sense, the market should be the one that determines the price based on the supply and demand, of which that's not usually the case. So the government, to me sure, has these policies of where they can infringe with the price. And in a sense, let me put it into daily life. So you have a dollar today, you can go to the store and get yourself three chocolate bars. Then the government decides that, no, George, we are not going to give you any more chocolate. You're a naughty child. You eat a lot of sugar. <laughs> today, you're only allowed to have one chocolate bar. So hyperinflate and decrease the value and control the price. So to, yesterday, you could buy three chocolate bars with a dollar. Today, you can only buy one. So if what, what the phenomenon we're saying here is that Bitcoin is better in that sense. Yes, it is extremely volatile, but I feel like as it further develops, I don't feel it's at that point where you could say Bitcoin is top tier. There's still a tons of loopholes and developments that could go into it to refine it as a global currency. Because you know, my main factor is why I'm in the problem with the government. Yes, let's put Bitcoin in its own spotlight and let's let's forget about gold. Let's forget about gold because gold is also a ferocious outshining metal. Let's leave gold alone. Let's put Bitcoin in, on the spot and with fiat currency, the US dollar. I mean, if, if you are, I don't have the stats now, but if we could look up on the inventory inventories in the United States, we could see that they've drastically went down. And I, li I was listening to Robert Kiyosaki yesterday. He said, I think, yeah, it's baby boomers or the generation that, that is about to retire. And he said, Argentina, the United States, and this other country. He's like, those countries are broke. Meaning that the government spend what it doesn't have. And the current future generation, that is the working class or whatsoever participating in the economy, has to be chopped through taxes, through tax, <laughs> pardon me, listeners, through tax to compensate everyone who is going on retirement or pension, of which now inventories is actually goods which are stored for a future value of which are going to be used. So as we know, we're through lockdown, no goods and services were being produced. The government had to tap into their inventories. So... I don't know which lights or side you're going to stand on, but Tumisha, I hope you're listening. And I know you're listening and the facts that I'm speaking here are really touching me. Because <laughs> as I said, let's give Bitcoin 50 years. And if ever Bitcoin is a good financial experiment, let's see where El Salvador will be and the other countries which are also going to take on Bitcoin and continue. No, listen, Sia, right? Listen, um, you see personally, right? I just want to make something clear with my stance on Bitcoin, right? I am not fully against Bitcoin. I am just saying, for one, I'm just pointing out the obvious that at the moment, it is not functioning as a medium of exchange or as a unit of account or as a store of value, which are the three characteristics that you need for something to be money. You can't have... You can't, um, what do you call this? You can't neglect one of those characteristics. So Bitcoin does not fill any of those things. Oh, it does fill one of them, which is a unit of account. Because Bitcoin is ledger money. Because a blockchain is basically a ledger. 
between mm. um let's say i have a bitcoin you have a bitcoin and then i send you a bitcoin so basically we're just entering into blockchain ledger transactions we're just recording ledger transactions there's nothing really going on there it's just on the screen right we're just using ledger money and that brings me to my point why bitcoin is not money because all that bitcoin is the rise of bitcoin is not there as people like to say oh government is <coughs> printing a lot of money as CS saying oh government is doing this and this and this and therefore bitcoin solves this problem no bitcoin does not do that what i said it's yet to solve the problem it's no, in I'm, the process I'm, I'm and Sia, listen 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 Sia. i'm I, I i know what you mean it's yet to solve the problem i'm saying it's not even built to solve that problem that you are pointing out that's not the point of bitcoin if you look at what bitcoin actually is as a ledger money ledger money is not a new phenomenon it's been here since the 15th century ledger money is basically there ledger money arises when there is a shortage of money or let me just say a shortage of currency that's when you get a ledger currency so but i'm just going to use the word the term money loosely here i'm not actually i'm not when i'm saying ledger money i'm not really saying that this and this is actual money i'm just saying ledger money for the point of this argument so ledger money is there to solve a problem of too little money not too much money so think about it like this everyone in the bitcoin community is complaining that the government is inflating the money supply right okay good argument fine whether you agree with that or not i mean jeff snyder would agree with that deflationists would i mean deflationists would disagree with that right and inflationists like peter Schiff would agree that the government is inflating money so i'm not going to talk about inflation deflation but the point is bitcoin people are saying oh the government is inflating the money supply we need something that is deflationary and bitcoin has a limited supply which is true and false at the same time, which I won't get into because you can actually theoretically do a 51% attack on the Bitcoin blockchain and then boom, you can have infinite supply of money. But let us assume that this, this thing of Bitcoin being deflationary is true, right? Bitcoin is deflationary by nature. Okay, no problem. And this is going to somehow solve the problem of money printing. Well, that is not what bitcoin is there to do it's there to solve a problem of too little money remember bitcoin was bitcoin came out in 2009 right there just in the middle of the financial crisis and think about this the timing is not the timing has to be it can't be coincidence because at that time euro dollar euro dollar collapsed at that time euro dollars collapsed. yeah um just a, just a factual stat quote unquote i heard it from robert kiyosaki and then he wasn't really talking about Bitcoin. He was just talking about business, businesses in essence. That whenever there's a crash in uh, the next upcoming decade, people who run businesses are bound to usually see exponential gains and growth. Of which I'm saying, as you said, perfect timing. After the crash, Bitcoin was born. So essentially, let's see how many crashes Bitcoin is ought to survive. Because... It survived its first original crash, which was the COVID crash. Bitcoin survived that, right? Bitcoin survived that crash phenomenon. So let's see the upcoming crash. We don't know when it's going to happen, but the upcoming global crash. Let's see how Bitcoin is going to perform because Bitcoin is still an infant. I think we're two decades in now. Yeah, we're two decades in with Bitcoin. So it's still an infant. So let's see how far it's ought to go. That's all I'm saying. Let's let's give it a time space and see how it grows.
or okay. how it defends, how it okay, deflates. Okay. We all both sides. Probabilities, no certainties. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's see. Let's see the time frame. But like, just back to my point. Like, what I'm basically saying about bitcoins is that imagine 2008, 2009, Bitcoin is born at the same time euro dollars were in were scarce. Euro dollars were scarce, which is basically the global dollar supply the global dollar um supply because there's u.s dollars which are domestic in the u.s economy which the federal reserve and u.s banks can create but basically u.s banks are creating the money because they create 97 percent of the money supply but those are u.s dollars and then we have the global um what can i say global reserve currency which is not the U.S. dollar. Remember, global reserve currency is a currency that every single country accepts that they're going to use to price their things in, the stuff that they're trading with each other and different other countries. So in order to create global reserve currency, it has to be elastic, which means there has to be a lot of supply of it. And U.S. dollars, the Fed can't even supply the globe with enough dollars because the only thing that they can create is bank reserves so what is the global reserve currency that's a misconception for everyone to think the u.s dollar is a global reserve currency it's not <clears throat> it's euro dollars which are basically u.s dollars but it's u.s dollars that are created outside of the u.s economy which are euro dollars that are created let's say by a net bank net bank can create euro dollars by issuing out euro dollar loans because it can because it's a bank, it's a global bank. So at the end of the day, you can do that. China, the central banks of China can do that. Anyone, anyone in the banking system globally can create euro dollars by issuing out more dollar denominated loans. Those are euro dollars, which is ghost money. Why did euro dollars come into existence? Because in the 1950s, we had a dollar famine because the dollar after Bretton Woods in 1944, every country needed dollars and the U.S. couldn't supply those dollars to every country for many reasons. And people could say, oh, gold standard. Okay, no problem. There is a gold standard. Okay, fine. The U.S. can't produce enough currency for the world. So what was the solution? The solution was euro dollars for other people inside the global system to create a currency that is elastic, that has enough supply. So euro dollars came into existence. The same thing happened in the 15th century when we had a depression around Europe because there was a lack of bullion, a lack of gold and silver. And that's why, that's why Christopher Columbus um, shipped all the way to the U.S. and other places like South America. They were looking for gold. And so they brought gold back and then there was no more dollar, I mean, there was no more bullion famine. Because what solved the bullion famine besides Christopher Columbus going all everywhere and Portuguese going into Africa to take gold? Another reason why that, that actually solved that problem was ledger money. So these bankers back in the day in the 15th century, I mean, there's a shortage of gold. So what they would do is they would each write on a piece of paper who owes who money. And then they'll just write it on a ledger. Okay, I owe you this amount of bullion. You owe me this amount of bullion. And then we can just agree collectively that we owe each other money. And then we just write it down on a piece of paper. That's basically what Bitcoin is. It's not, a, except that you're not writing it on a piece of paper. It's already on a blockchain. That's all it is. There's nothing going on. There's no real money. That's what Bitcoin is. It's not real money. All it is, is a ledger. 
it's a ledger form of money but it's not real money what is real money which gets me to my point that i was talking about earlier on it has to have three characteristics and the most important characteristic is a store of value what is a store of value that a store of value is something that you can actually store it's something that has value that you can actually store which has value other than money or other than an exchange which means that some a store of value could be like my watch my watch is a store of value because if i'm not using my watch as money i can use it to wear it i can use it to make whatever i want with it i can use it to give it to someone else and someone else could wear it and check the time that is a store of value bitcoin is not a store of value because even if it could function as a currency it's not a store of value because what are you storing you're not storing anything you're just storing satoshis that's all you're storing <laughs> whereas gold gold you are actually storing something that's why gold is the most is the most precious form of money because you can store gold for yourself and keep it in your house or you can store it for future use if a jeweler wants to make jewelry they you, they can buy gold from you you can sell your gold to a jeweler in the future in a hundred years time if you're alive the gold will still be as pure as it was you can still sell that gold and then someone else can do something with the gold you can do a lot of things with gold i mean we even have some form of gold in our own body if you didn't know that for those who know biology there is technically there is gold inside your body <laughs> yeah exactly but that's a topic for another day that's why gold is so precious as money because for it to be money remember there was this other beautiful quote that i heard the guy said that for something to qualify as money right after those three characteristics are met money remember how money works right think about money before money became money it had to be a commodity or it had to be a good because people were bartering and then people realized that bartering was nonsense and then people formed another way maybe they'll start using salt everyone would collectively agree that hey let's use salt so if you want to buy something instead of bartering with me you can just pay me in salt so think about that that's where money arose money arose as a result of the free market deciding what should be used so they used goods and services or a commodity as money and then it kept on evolving until it reached the end of its evolution which is gold and it's been gold for thousands of years that's why the the only way for something to qualify as money is for its value to be somehow tied to a commodity and that's what gold is i mean in the future right now right I'm not saying that we should go back to a gold standard whereby um whereby we should all just carry a bunch of because this is the bitcoin argument many bitcoin proponents make this argument say hey i don't i don't have to at least if i use bitcoin i don't have to carry bars of gold around the streets no that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that gold in and of itself is money you don't have to use it as currency you see those people don't understand the difference between currency and money so my solution right I love cryptocurrency, right? I love the whole concept. I just don't love the cryptocurrencies itself because all of them are shit coins, even Bitcoin. They all shit coins. So, the solution to this because we in the technological age is to have a cryptocurrency that is backed by gold because therefore its value is tied to a commodity and the, it's tied to the purest commodity which is gold that is what money is money isn't something that you use as a medium of exchange i mean it does qualify as a medium of exchange but that's just one of the qualifications that is currency 
there's a difference between that that's the distinction i wanted to make so bitcoin doesn't qualify as money at all it is not money it's far from money it doesn't even represent money in any ways because you can't store anything except for satoshis on a piece of computer um screen or whatever the hell that is so bitcoin is not money it's not money sia argue with me there it's not money i don't want to go back and forth I think the listeners can drop their their side bitcoin side fiat gold side whichever i think i've said what i needed to say with bitcoin and i felt gold had a discovery period and gold held a trial period and we saw how sustainable it was i'm saying now bitcoin had a discovery period of which is just two decades let's see how it could do in the next 3 days and see you see see and i'm not even i'm i'm open to the possibility that bitcoin can somehow in the future become more stable and if bitcoin's price is stable in the future then it could actually function as a currency so i'm not against that if bitcoin becomes stable in the future it can function as a currency but it cannot function as money that is the truth i mean even fiat functions better at a, as a currency than bitcoin because bitcoin is so volatile so if bitcoin becomes stable and because it has def- it's deflationary by nature that would actually be better because that way the power is in the hands of people you see and not in the hands of government and therefore you can actually um buy goods and services with the bitcoin i'm open to that possibility but there's a difference between currency and money it can never be money it doesn't matter what you do with the bitcoin the only way bitcoin can actually qualify as money is if it's actually backed by gold which is impossible because bitcoin is bitcoin you can't have another bitcoin bitcoin is bitcoin in and of itself so you cannot bitcoin cannot be money you see that keyword is money it could function as it could function as a currency i'm open to that possibility that maybe in the future as people keep making bitcoin better it could function as a currency you see that's you see um english is a very very difficult language because here's what i have to say to me show here's what i have to say yeah if bitcoin can function as a currency why not transcend into money what's going to prevent it if it can achieve that first step but enough no, said because it's money it has to be tied to a commodity that's what money is it's a commodity you can't change the definition of money you can't i hear you but we're <laughs> living in the 21st century <laughs> where we have endless possibilities but or maybe or maybe those people who think nfts are money <laughs> <laughs> well that is the world we are living in dimitri if you could see today i can decide to auction a rock put it under as an nft and you all are like this rock is more valuable than gold Best believe me, the internet will be like, yeah, yeah, it has valuable properties and all that. But also, but also remember, Sia, the reason why those rocks are selling for millions is not because people think it's valuable at a one million. It's because they're using it for money laundering. <laughs> so think about <laughs> that. Think about think about how stupid NFTs are for money laundering. I mean, well, listen, listen, listen. I I wouldn't say NFTs are stupid. Why why are they NFTs? Okay, you're saying they are NFTs there because they are acting as a scapegoat for money laundering. Cool. Look at the government, the nature of the government. When the government controls prices, there's bound to be competition of which is the black market. Of which in the black market transactions take place also and the money has to be cleaned. 
And what's the natural way of cleaning them? We could do NFTs, sell rocks to each other and clean yeah. the money. <laughs> so you see how problematic the government is. It doesn't yeah, want competition. It. Yeah. It controls prices. Yeah, like, I think I get your point, right? With this whole NFT thing, it's it's sort of like the black... It's like a, a better way of... <laughs> of making the black market more efficient because the government can't track nfts because it's basically using blockchain technology blah 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 but think about yeah if without if there was no government um price controls and all these regulations i mean people wouldn't maybe nfts would be there but it they wouldn't be used like how they're used right now but like because think about it dude that thing is a perfect money laundering tool because think about it let's say you make 10 million right in, in, in illegal activity. Let's say your money is not clean, right? So all you have to do is you 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 basically find some you create you find someone who can create an NFT, a stupid digital JPEG image, right? <laughs> and then you pay for that image for the amount of money you want to launder. Let's say you have 10 million that you want to clean, you just pay for it, you just bid up the price of that thing to 10 million, and therefore boom, now this thing is technically worth 10 million, and then you can take it out slowly, 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 and then sell it for some bitcoins or something like that. And then boom, you finally clean your money. Easy. It that it's it's not really <laughs> worth 10 million. It's not really worth 10 million. The person just artificially bid up the price so that he can actually clean that money. So all these guys who are selling bitcoin um NFTs for 10 million, I mean, that's not the real value of it. In fact, most of most nfts the value is zero the the real intrinsic value is at zero i mean i even heard michael saylor right that that bitcoin freak the guy who um pumps bitcoin like no one's business he's one of the biggest bitcoin whales i mean that guy's company owns four billion dollars worth of bitcoin and he keeps stacking them up whenever there's a dip because he's trying to force people to get in he's trying to convince people to get in a dip so you know what he said see and we're talking mm. about this digital thing. He's like, and listen to this, listeners. He's like, digital property is better than actual property. And property can mean a lot of things. Property can mean your house. It can mean your clothes. So he's saying digital. He's trying to make a point that Bitcoin is better than gold because everything digital is better. Everything that is digital. Imagine how stupid that is. How can everything digital be better? So digital food is better. So if I'm hungry, I must just eat digital food and I'll be full. Is that what he's saying? I mean, come on. I mean, how is digital homes better than actual homes, like NFT homes? How is that better than an actual home? You can't live in, in your digital home. You can poop in your digital home. You can drink. I mean, you can't do anything in your digital home. So what, what's your take on that? Because that is just absurd to me. Perhaps the guy was being poetic, Domisho. Poetic in a sense that this is the way that they get to screw the government over because the government does not have that regulation and a certain type of loophole. But yes, I can, I can, comparing Bitcoin and gold, we cannot argue gold to our daily lives has more uses. We can make conductors, PCs and all that. We have certain uses for certain daily products which we need, which needs to have gold to function. So I cannot dispute the fact that cannot outshine gold. Okay. So yeah, I, I feel like maybe the dude is being poetic with that one, Dimitri, saying we can screw the government over. And also another thing, 
will will get on to these to to these other philosophies uh, on season two of <laughs> look at how the five richest people in the world have charity organizations. We'll get into that. Let me leave that thought into your mind. So in a nutshell, they use the charity organizations to decrease their tax output to the government. Yeah. But you ought to discover that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, charity, yeah. Plus, plus these non-profit organizations are tax-free, so, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah, if you if you don't if you if you don't feel NFTs, I mean, go ahead and, and donate to charity to to decrease your tax burden. You <laughs> and then on top of that, while you add it, if you own the charity company or that charity foundation, you donate to that, and then you end up withdrawing it, and boom, you get that money back tax free. Boom, you clean that. <laughs> easy but you don't want the government to know so you take that money out slowly you see maybe you take it out a little bit because if you take it out all at once i mean that's gonna raise suspicion so you just want to take it out slowly and i'm not advocating for it <laughs> this is the world show we, we talk all things business all things politics all things society so i mean <laughs> we have to these things i remember last time we were even talking about insurance companies as a fraud i mean money laundering you can do so many things <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> I it was great guys being on the show. I hope you took something out of this show. We'll be seeing you guys on season two. That's it from me from season one. This is Siabonga Chuma. Back to Domisho. Yeah, I have I have nothing else to add on. I mean, it was a it was a good um productive, I should say productive conversation. I mean, I wonder what your guys take on Bitcoin and gold. I mean, you can't compare gold and Bitcoin. I, you can't. They're two different things. Gold is money. Bitcoin is not. It's currency. It's an asset. So you can't compare the two. It's like comparing apples with poop. You can't compare the two. I mean, in this case, Bitcoin is the poop. And <laughs> but no, no offense. No offense. <laughs> no offense to the bitcoin community there don't take any offenses we are gonna talk about bitcoin more because i mean we always hear about bitcoin so season two we'll be talking about that and we'll be getting into deep things about other countries as well not just the u.s and south africa maybe we'll get into what's going on in europe what's going on in japan as well because i mean we have to understand what's going on in the world so yeah, please stay tuned for season two. It's going to be an epic one. Nothing from my side and we will see you on the next season.